Have you been searching for a Christian clothing brand to proudly wear and support? A brand fully founded in the Word of God, sharing the good news through beautiful designs and a powerful message of truth and love? Friends, look no further. The Fountain Sheep is a gospel-centered brand seeking to lift up believers all over the world, reminding them that they belong to the Good Shepherd and they've been given power to overcome evil and be the shining light in this dark world. In fact, they believe in generosity and they go out and give 20% of all net profits to churches and outreach ministries like the Dream Center in Los Angeles and expanding the kingdom in Venezuela. If you want a brand that's just perfect for you for sharing the gospel, then go to thefoundsheep.net or at thefoundsheepbrand on Instagram and find out how you can buy these wonderful designs to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that time again. It's Greek for the Week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It is the Greek for the Week podcast. We're so glad to have you today. We're going to cover some very important truths in Scripture that are going to really bless your life. And I, I want you to stay tuned, and I want you to hear what God has to say as we go to His Word. And, you know, Greek for the Week, we, we want to bring it to you deep. We want to take this opportunity that sometimes pastors don't really have uh, in their pulpits to really take you this deep. That's why we have the podcast, because we want to bring to you a level and a quality of the Word of God that you might get in university uh, or in seminary, but we also want to have it charged with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what you're going to get on Greek for the Week. So I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to just open your Bible and let the Word of God speak to you through the original language, which is the Greek. Today we're going to be in one of Paul's epistles, the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to really look at a few passages, probably probably 6 through 10. We're going to focus on verse number 10 as we see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Before we do, I want to pray. Father, thank you for those that are listening. I pray today that their ears would be anointed to hear what your word has to say. May their hearts be receptive to the word of God. May their lives be changed in a very powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at where we're going to study in the Greek, and that is verse number 10. And we're really just going to deal with five English words, uh, a couple of, let's see, one, two, three, four, four in the Greek. And this is what it says here in the Greek. It says, auto gar esmen poema, auto gar esmen poema, which is translated in the English Standard Version of the Bible, for we are his workmanship. Now, you've heard this passage before. We've probably all heard the passage. We've been in a church that preaches the Word of God for maybe two years. Usually when people do their series on um, being in Christ, this is something that we say, well, we're his workmanship created in Christ. And depending on your translation of the Bible, uh, you may see we're his masterpiece or we're his uh, good works or whatever it may be. I want to focus on that today. Now, I've said this before as, as we've done Greek, is that one of the things that's interesting about Greek is that there is no, there's no word order in Greek the way that there is in English. In English, we have what's called, and here's something intelligent. It, 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 well, I don't want to say it's intelligent. It's just perhaps something we don't think about every day, is that there's <laughs> right-branching sentences. We use these in our English language. We even use them in Latin languages. That's all I really know is Latin languages and English. Um, means that you start with the subject, Chris, the verb went, direct object, to the store. There you go. Chris went to the store. How do we know what the subject is? Because it starts left and it branches right. 
Greek doesn't necessarily use that. And as English speakers, it makes it difficult. I mean, I use this example with my students in school, and I say, well, go to the book of Jude, which is probably the hardest Greek in the New Testament, and try and translate that, and you'll see that the right branching sentences are not there. It's so far from any word order that we have in the Greek is very difficult. But the good thing about this was is that because there's no word order, the Greeks, when they spoke Koine Greek, when they spoke um, Attic Greek, there's different types of Greek that exist. They could take advantage of this. And they could use it for emphasis. And one of the ways that they would use it is they would put the word they wanted to emphasize in the first position, which here in verse number 10 is auto or his, which is a possessive pronoun which goes first because it wants you to understand that we are his or God's workmanship. And we're going to see that workmanship here has to do with salvation, which means that our salvation is not, it's not because of us. Our salvation is because of God. I mean, you can say, well, I received Jesus of my own will. And yes, you did. And that was your free will. I lean more on the Arminian side of this debate. Okay. But I will say, if you're a Calvinist, no offense to you. I, I still have tremendous respect for you. And uh, we need to agree to disagree in these areas and focus on the more important things like getting people saved and healed and delivered. That's my soapbox. But let me get off of it for a second. Um, And I'll say that, you know, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for his action in sending Jesus into the earth, we we wouldn't even be saved. This is when uh, we, we were sinners or at enmity with God, Christ died for us. So he didn't wait for us to take a step towards him. He took a step towards us. It was of God's volition. And everything that was required to appease God's wrath was done and fulfilled by God himself. So he was angry at us, full of wrath, and he took care of appeasing his own wrath himself. It really is amazing to think about that, that he sent Christ or himself to die for our sins. So it's because of his work. It's not anything that we done like Paul like did. Like Paul says, by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. What he says in verse number 8. So verse number 8 fits perfectly verse number 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that out of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man boast, for we are his, or the emphatic position, his. His workmanship we are, is what it's saying. So it fits right there. That's the emphasis that what has happened as a result of our salvation is a result of God. Okay. Now, we've talked about, especially uh, on this broadcast and other places that I posted before, one of the ways to hack the Word of God is through, and you say hack, isn't hacking a negative thing? Well, the hacker, for the hacker, no, it's a positive thing. I know it has the negative connotation here, but understand what I mean when I say hack a scripture, is to get into that scripture and find out what lies in it. And one of the ways to do that is through a, a method called diacopy. Paying attention to repetitious words over and over again. Now we see that beginning in verse number 6, all the way through verse number 10, uh, the use of in Christos or in Christ, we see it used a total of four times. I believe it's four times. And in five verses, which is, which is clear here that the emphasis on that our salvation is a result of remaining in Christ Jesus. And that's been used here, being in Christ, four or five times, so that the emphasis of our salvation is a result of our union with Christ. Okay? It's important to see that. Now, when we get to verse number 10, so we have this idea of being in Christ. That's what the scripture is about, that it's a result of his initiation or his um, initiative to come towards us and build for us salvation or a way of having peace with God. Then we see this word dropped here, which really, when 
after using in Christ and after using the, the emphatic position of his, we see the Apostle Paul really drops this word on us from the Holy Spirit, and that is poema. For we are, we his, we are his poema as a result of being in union with Christ. Now, this word is extremely important, the word poema. Very important. And it means workmanship. Yes, it does. It means kind of like work, something that somebody created. But it has more of a connotation than that, and it really means an invention. It is the result of somebody who has innovated and has thought hard and has put a lot of care and creativity into this new design of theirs. And it's only used one other time in the New Testament, and that's in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20, where the Apostle Paul is talking about how God created the cosmos, or he invented it. If you think about it, the universe, and we see the universe, and you see maybe more than one universe out there, uh, all the galaxies. I mean, you consider how jumbo and colossal our universe is. That, that's just, an, there's no word that we can have to fully describe how massively infinite it is. That was the invention of God. Trees are the invention of God. And fish are the invention of God. And you and I are the invention of God. You know, Genesis chapter 1 is God inventing as a result of his innovator. He was the, uh, his innovation. He is the first innovator that existed, the first inventor, if you will. But it's saying here that God invented something else, and that's us in Christ, in Christos. Those, you remember the diocopy we just saw going back four times, five verses? The in Christ, or us being in Christ, is a result of God's invention. And if you look at this word poema, it's not the word ergon. Ergon talk, describes man's work. If man was going to work or working in the fields or whatever it may good works. We were created unto Christ Jesus unto good works. Ergon, colon ergon. It's not that. This word is reserved for God. Which means that this is talking about God creating or inventing our salvation. Now, this goes back to uh, Genesis chapter 1, where man was... Uh, given authority by God. He was put upon the earth, and Adam was created in God's perfect world. But man rebelled and man sinned, and as a result, the earth became fallen, humanity became fallen, and now we see an imperfect world as a result of man's rebellion. But God did not leave us that way. I mean, he didn't leave us in a fallen world. He began to start to recreate things. Now I know you say, well, why didn't God just recreate it in one second, well, day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and he's in the process of recreating things. I know that when you see tragedy and you see uh, these, these really hard-to-swallow things that take place, tsunamis and earthquakes and floods and mass murders and genocides and all the unjust and despicable, heinous things that take place, say, why isn't God doing anything about this? He is. He's in the process of doing it. And it, it began when God began initiating his plan for salvation, which he announces in Genesis chapter 3, okay, his plan for salvation to bring Christ or the Messiah, the Redeemer, into the earth to save us from our sins. And after the work of Christ has been accomplished on Calvary, he sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts, and now we have a union with Christ, and we become in Christ. And what the Bible says is this here is his poema, his new creation, which means that me and you and anyone else that has received Christ Jesus is part of the new creation. Well, what's the old creation? Adam and his sin. Now we're his workmanship. So when you see our godly nature, when you see the loving our enemies, and, and when you see all of the fruit of salvation, that is part of 
God's invention, which we're his invention, in Christ Jesus created to good works. So when God looks at us, we're his newest, his latest, and we're his greatest invention. That is not to mean that we're taking credit for that. God gets all the credit, and God gets all the glory, and that's why Paul says his, or puts off toe in the emphatic position to let you know that as great as this invention that we are in Christ Jesus, part of the new creation, we can't take any credit for it because we didn't, we didn't invent this. God invented this himself. That's the point that the Apostle Paul is trying to make, is that when we consider ourselves in Christ, it's a total God thing. Now, being the case, that means that we're essentially God's masterpiece. Now, you have to see this about yourself. I mean, this is where salvation begins uh, or starts after you receive Christ. You have to see yourself as God's masterpiece. Now, I've been written a lot on Instagram and I get emails from people and they say, Reverend Palmer, I'm struggling with depression. I'm not enjoying my salvation. You, you should enjoy your salvation. Uh, the psalmist said, return to me the joy of my salvation. So wh what can I do to get out of this funk? Well, the most important thing a person needs to begin to focus on the moment they get saved is who they are in Christ. They need to see their, they need to see their identity. I remember 14 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, but after that, I went into a slump, a, a darkness, if you will, uh, a depression. It, wasn't, it, 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 was, it was demonic, but at the same time, I didn't know who I was in Christ. My whole salvation was just getting people saved and, and preaching the gospel. But what was in it for me? There was something in it for me, right? But then I came across some materials, began to study my identity in Christ. No one had ever taught this to me. And I grew up in the church for 18 years. I learned about Jonah and the whale, Moses and, and the prophets and the New Testament and Jesus pulling a coin out of the fish's mouth, but I had never learned about my identity in Christ. This revolutionized my life and pulled me right out of the depression. And one thing I saw was that, you know, I am God's masterpiece because of him. Now, a masterpiece is a very wonderful thing because it's an invention of a master artist. If you think about it, in Michigan, um, we have a, uh, in Grand Rapids, it's one of our major cities here. It's in West Michigan, great city. And every year in September, they have a thing called Art Prize. It's where the best artists uh, bring their works of art, bring their masterpieces, if you will. And they showcase them right up and down the streets of Grand Rapids. And people come from everywhere. I mean, they come from Miami. They come from Los Angeles. I mean, just about any place they bring. They bring their works of art for people to see in, in Miami. Now, I've learned a few things about looking at this art. Number one, the thing about a masterpiece is, is that sometimes the artist finds the most uh, overlooked things to make his work of art from. Now, I remember, forget, I, I remember two things I saw. Number one, I saw an eagle made of sterling silver, and that sterling silver was forks and spoons and knives of all kinds that were old, that people had thrown out. The artist went and collected all those, and he made this eagle that's wingspan stretched probably six feet. And I looked at it, and the person I was with, I said, hey, this, this is made of forks and knives. And they said, yeah, yeah, and that's something. And I remember one time seeing an eight-foot grizzly bear, brown grizzly bear, grizzly bear, made out of pine needles. Now, when you live in Michigan, you go to Muskegon, or you go to up north, as we say here, you see pine needles everywhere, especially in the months towards the end of the summer where they're falling off the trees or fall, and you just walk right over them. You don't think anything of them. They're, they're kind of annoying, especially if you get them all over your shoes. You can drag them in the house. But the artist saw something beautiful about these pine needles and built an eight-foot grizzly bear out of pine needles. Actually, he would have gotten my vote or she would have gotten my vote because I never forgot that. Um, and it really was wonderful. 
Um, but so an artist can take take material that is totally overlooked and make something grand out of it. And, and not just that, okay? They can, when they make this work of art, they spend their whole lives doing it. And it costs them a great sacrifice to make the work of art. And when they do it, it always brings glory to the artist, right? Not the work of art necessarily. When you look at the Mona Lisa, you don't think, oh, wow, Mona Lisa did this herself. Oh, you say, wow, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Sistine Chapel. Who gets the credit for the Sistine Chapel? Michelangelo. Who's the artist? When you see something that is a work of true beauty, an innovation, an, an, an invention that is just marvelous, you want to know who is, who's the, the, the artist? Or if it's a book, the, art, the author. <laughs> author, artist. You get the point. It, it, it leaves an impression on you. And a masterpiece has the ability to influence, to influence the world. And so I think, I don't think, I know that's what God's Word is trying to communicate to us. The fact that we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works is that He's the one that created our salvation, that our salvation is part of the recreation of the earth, the recreation of all things. So when people look at you and they say, tell me, how do I know that God is making all things new? Well, the very fact that you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, that you have a godly nature, that you've been delivered from sin, that you have victory over sin, that you have power over affliction and things that are in this world is proof that God has started the process of innovation, recreating everything because we see something new on the earth, and that is his new creation, those of us that are in Christos, in Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. We're proof that God has outsmarted sin, that he has destroyed the power of the devil, and that he will do like he says in Revelation chapter 20, and that is wipe every tear away from their eyes. 21, wipe every tear from their eyes, and he's making all things new. So today, when you discourage because you see so much atrocity in the world, understand that the new creation is here, it's in us, and that we're proof that God is making all things new because we're his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. So it really is wonderful when you think about it, and it's wonderful to be a part of those things and to really be part of the new creation. People say, well, you know, Christianity is just, uh, you know, it's just doing good. It's not doing good. It, it, it's made up of doing good. We have to do good as Christians, okay? I mean, we have to have good works that show that we're people of faith. I don't discount those, but it's, it's more than just good works in and of themselves. It is also being part of the new creation that is in Christ Jesus. Well, that about does it for today. Confess to yourself that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus unto good works, and you'll begin to see your perspective about things change. Okay? God bless you. Thank you so much for listening and turning into this podcast. We encourage you to leave a five-star review at the end. Share it with a friend. Tell somebody this podcast is heating up. It's great. And we will make sure to catch you next time on Greek for the Week. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.